where Eric and I call each other up and we develop together and then we answer silly questions, we talk about what we're developing and we try new developers sometimes. I don't know, all kinds of cool stuff. So Eric, are you there? I'm here. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's being really, really quiet right now. This is this is kind of odd. Tell these fine folks what we're doing today. Well, if you did not read the title of the episode, we are doing stand development today, which is why if you look at the how long this episode is going to take, it's a little longer than the normal dev parties, because we are doing a 60-minute stand. So before we talk about anything, let's get that started. Okay, so I'm going to pour out the pre-soak. Um... Okay. <laughs> and yes, I pre-soaked, and I will explain why in a moment. And I will then add, I will now add the developer. Excellent. Adding the developer. And now agitate for the first minute. Start the timer. So, if you don't know what stand developing is, it is essentially developing the film, but you do it over a long period of time, and you use a very dilute ratio of developer to water. So in most cases, a lot of people do rotanol, and they do a 1 plus 100, so that's 1 milliliter for every 100 milliliters of water. One milliliter of developer for every 100 milliliters of water. That's a fact. Yes, and that's what you're doing. And I so what, what I'm doing, I'm using the same developer we used last episode, so that is 510 Pyro, and I am doing 1 plus 500, so that's 1 milliliter for every 500 milliliters. So I am, I am using 500 milliliters because I'm doing one roll of film. And so I have one milliliter of developer in there. Wow. Yes. Very precise. Well, I mean, it's that's probably the only precise thing about stand developing. Probably. So I want to talk a little bit about how and why stand developing works. But to explain that, we have to explain what agitation is. Because with stand developing, you're not touching it. You leave it there for an hour, and you don't touch it for an hour. And then you fi you stop and then fix and then wash as normal after that. But with stand developing, you, you don't touch it. You don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So what agitation does when you're normally developing is it, it removes the, uh, for lack of a better word, dead developer molecules mm -hmm. away from the film, and it replaces them with fresh developer molecules, so that it's, you're constantly developing the film. And so you would think, well, if you're leaving stand to sit there for an hour, won't the dead molecules just cling to the film and you'll stop developing? 
And the answer to that is not really. Yes. <laughs> no. It, you would think it would, but basically it doesn't. It's just simplify because I I mean I don't understand this fully. So I mean I wanna say maybe, but also like bromide drag, but go on. Okay. So <laughs> basically the the developer causes a reaction on the emulsion surface. So leaving the developer on the emulsion surface surface for this long of a period of time, it starts a chemical reaction that I don't want to use the word boil because it's not boiling, but it, there's a the chemical reaction forces the expired molecules out and leaves it open for the fresh molecules to come in. Mm-hmm. So like I said, normally you'd have to keep that reaction going with agitation, but with stand, it, it, you don't need to do that. Yeah. So, like, as far as agitation goes, when you when you over agitate your film, right? That right. That would actually speed up your developing time, technically. Uh, it, yes, and and it does other things too. It yep. makes it more dense. Yes. However, stand developing this way, the, the reaction that it's having isn't going to give you the same results as a regular developing. So I'm developing FP4 and 510 Pyro, and I'm not going to get the same look that I got uh, last episode. It's going to be a different look. It may be subtle, but it's going to be a different look because it, it is a different way to develop the film. And agitation has a lot to do, what plays into a lot has to do with contrast. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's that, really. That's how stand works. Like There's a weird little chemical reaction going on there. Um, as to why you would need to stand develop, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I Unless you really like the look of it, I feel find no reason to do it i'm gonna have to say i do like the look of it with cool tasmamic wrap 300 not 200 300 okay it looks yeah. gorgeous sure but there sure. is bromide drag okay you keep mentioning bromide drag will you please tell me what bromide drag is you get bromide drag when you usually develop 35 millimeter basically if you don't agitate your film the chemicals kind of slowly like slide down underneath the sprocket holes. And it usually happens with uh, your like highlighted or exposed areas. So your sky, you'll see it most likely. Um, But you can get it on both sides. It's also usually under agitation, but it, it could also be like really extremely old film. Like it's, it's difficult to really like, explain <laughs> oh, a lot of times it looks like uh like like light leaks like through the sprocket holes yeah and like sometimes surge it is marks. yeah like surge marks yeah and it's it's very difficult to really like kind of pin down because you could just think it could literally just be a light leak uh because yeah. the film doors sometimes uh those that foam kind of disintegrates pretty quickly uh, so what I would do is, like, if you keep seeing it, I would probably tape your door shut and try another roll and see what happens if, you know, if 
you might need to to just get new foam on your camera, honestly. But with, you usually get bromide drag when you are doing a regular development and you have poor agitation. That's usually what happens. Uh, So it is very common when you're doing a stand. So that's kind of why I think we're cheating too. We're not actually doing a full stand, right? We're doing a semi stand. I'm doing a full stand. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we're stand developing. We're not we're not semi stand developing. Semi stand developing is when you do an agitation every twenty minutes or so. Thirty. I thought it's just one. In it's really any 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 amount of of agitations. It's really minimal agitation is what it's called. So yeah. that that can take a lot of different forms. So we're doing we're going all at it. We're doing full full stand. Full stand. Oh. Yep. No agitation in the middle or anywhere else. <laughs> so they they recommend different developers. For this, yes. uh, a lot of people use Rotanol and HC110, but the film developing cookbook, is that what it's called? They recommend yes. um, not using either of those developers because it can lead to a certain kind of fogging. I've never had that problem, but oh. I guess, okay, sure. Um, they recommend Pyrocat HD and oh. FX2, which FX2 is something I really do want to try. I know we keep talking about FX1, and maybe someday we'll do that. <laughs> but maybe we just will pass it and just go to two. <laughs> maybe. So, yeah, I'm not, I think my, my, my attitude towards dev parties has really changed over the last year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I, I'm, I'm very uninterested in different developers. Hmm. I don't care. Uh, I do... I'm glad that we tried 510 Pyro. But, um, like, I'm not excited about trying other developers. I, I know what I do. I know what I like. And so I, I want to maybe not focus on that as much. But, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll, do, we'll do other things here and there. No, absolutely. And, and I understand what you mean by that because it can be overwhelming. Like, like we were just talking about agitation. You, can, you could change the look of your film with more agitation or less agitation and still use your same developer. There are so many like little tricks that you can do to manipulate your film. If you are really comfortable with the film that you have and you just are looking for something experimental to do, you can do those things. And that the, um, the book that you're talking about is a great place to start reading about some of those uh, different options yeah. that you can do. And then just also just the... The amount of information about agitation online is kind of ridiculous, and you can definitely <laughs> go down well, a it's rid- inversion spiral. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous and often conflicting, and almost always based on anecdotal evidence, including Ooh. Steve Anshel's book. There's a lot of anecdotal yes. evidence in that book. Absolutely. It's not incredibly science-based when it comes down to it. Um, that said, it's probably the best resource we've got. Yes. So I like the book. I do swear by it in a lot of ways, yes. but you do have to take it with a grain of salt. You do. But in that case, if you don't want to deal with that, Kodak, Ilford, FOMA has done all that work for us uh, with their science <laughs> and their times. They're sure. pretty dead on. It's like a hundred years of, of, of work that people have put into uh, figuring out what development times work the best. I mean, so yeah, and it's not—it's not just development times. It's it's techniques. It's 
other ideas like that. It's a good book to get, though. We, um, well, I mean, just look it up. It's film developing cookbook. So one of the things we wanted to do, and this is sort of in celebration quotes of our third year anniversary, we oh. posted on social media a couple weeks ago that we were going to be doing a a question and answer episode of Dev Party. And I figured, hey, why don't we do it for stand developing since it's going to take us a long ass time to stand develop. It gives us something to do. So we've got maybe a dozen questions from a dozen or so listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to uh, take a stab at a few of these? Let's stab away. Okay. Well, the first one, and I'm going to try to read the names of people who, who sent these. This is... Uh, in the weeds photography, they ask, uh, they ask, would you consider, and this is the, I've read, I've read over them before, but not real closely. Would you consider publishing a zine with your listeners' images? Ooh. That's something we've talked about before. Yeah, we have talked about this before. Um, I like the idea. It, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I, I feel it's a lot of work. Like I it's think, a lot I think of work. Of, yeah, <laughs> like Travis doing like the better off, and, and and also Charlie. It's it's incredible the work that they do. Yeah, getting, like, these zines together for people. And the, and but that's but but in both of those cases, there it's it's one zine per person. Like the the, the whole zine is is that person's zine. I think. What this person's talking about is like a compilation zine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Similar to we reviewed a zine um a couple of episodes ago done by is it Anna Snapshots? This is my memory. My memory is awful. Um I think it was mostly Holga, or maybe it was all Holga. And so what they did, what she did was she took a bunch of submissions and and made a zine out of them. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that's what they're asking, and I want to say, yes, I wish something like that existed. Yeah. No, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and it's only because I, it's just so time-consuming. It is. And it, it is hurting cats in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, people um, just, I mean, submitting one photo to a zine that you know, 100, maybe 100 people will see isn't a top priority and it shouldn't be a top priority for most people. And so putting it together, it is like trying to get people to do something that like they kind of want to do, but like sort of don't really care, which is all very understandable. And so getting them to submit it on time and, you know, if you have to make a correction to it and going back and forth with, I don't know, 20, 30 people is, I think that's more of a commitment than I can give at this time. That's um, understandable. It does, yeah. I mean, the podcast, just doing this podcast is 20 to 30 hours a week of, yeah. of, of this for me. Yeah. So adding on another, like another zine, which wouldn't be like an ongoing thing, but, you know, finding time for it, that's, that's tough. That's a really hard thing to do. But that said, I would love for it to happen. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And maybe someday well, maybe will. there'll be a maybe we'll grow one day. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I I don't know what that would even look like, but sure. <laughs> sure. 
so thank you for the question. We do. Um, it's it is something we've thought about, and um, we'll probably continue to think about it. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So I have Newt. I guess Newt, as in she turned me into a Newt, but I got better. The question is to push or not to push. Deving my first roll of 800T at home because the lab refused to push. Help. So, uh, do you want to... <laughs> you Have you pushed color before? Um, no. Yeah. No, I haven't. I, I, most of the color that I have is expired, so it looks like it's been pushed. Sure, um, yeah. What was it again? Uh, was it Portrait 800? The 800T. So it's, it's um, I'm oh, assuming, okay. that's Sinistil, so 500T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why not? Do it. Okay. That's yes. one. That's that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is don't do it. Um, because... <laughs> Color film was never really meant to be pushed. I know that slide film, it sort of was, and that Cine still does publish times for pushing and um, uh, boldly for them. But for me, especially when dealing with ECN2 and C41, I don't push. I've never pushed. It's not made to do it. I don't want, I want it to, I, I don't like developing color and I want it to end as soon as possible. So, Pushing it just makes it take longer, and I don't want that. Hmm. Um, but I do. Like, I've get I get this question a lot. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you push um, with ECN two? And I always, I, I always say don't. But if you have to, um, a stop would be like four and a half minutes, and then two stops would be I think it's six or six and a half or something like that. But also don't. I just just. Um, just don't, but if you do, let me know what you do, because I've given this advice to, to a, quite a number of people and zero of them have gotten back to me about how it worked. So <laughs> if I've given you this advice, let me know how it's turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think caution to the wind always, I mean, I guess it's your first role. So maybe not push, but did, did you shoot it to be pushed? Was it under? Yeah. Were you in the dark? Did you plan on it? If you were pl- if you planned on it, then yes, do it. Well, if you plan on it, you have to do it. Yeah, like if because you shot it's just for not, it, then yeah, you're it's choice. gonna be ruined. But I guess the one thing with color, I think people need to expect is it's gonna come out very gritty and grainy, and if that's what you're looking for, then then you're stoked. Yeah, I guess. I I just don't... I don't know. I'm not a fan of color, which is weird, considering that um, I do actually really like my color photos, and I do really like like selling the ECN2 kits and making them. I even enjoy that. But I I love black and white so much more. So I don't... I don't push black and white, really, either, except for I've recently started it with HP5. And I used to do it with with um ultrafine rip so i know yeah so i do i do it with black and white a little 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 bit but generally not Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because I, I am a big Fomapan fan, and that doesn't push well at all. <laughs> like, 400 is pushing Fomapan 400, because I think it's actually a 200-speed film, or like 320 or something. So, yeah, it's it's not always a pretty film. <sighs> okay, so let's, let's move on to the next question. Okay. This is from alexander.m.woodward. And they ask, resources for dev info? I've learned almost everything from all through a lens. Where did you learn? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you. Maybe don't trust us. <laughs> I guess we covered a little bit with the film developing cookbook. I think it's a good resource. Um, if I need a time for developing, like I need to know how to develop... Agfascalia 200, because who the fuck shoots that anymore? I will go to Flickr and do a search for Agfascalia 200 and whatever developer I'm trying to use. Rotonol, usually HC110 if it's expired. Um, You know, 510 Pyro, hey, why not? And see what other people have done with it, because there you get examples of their work. You've mentioned that. Before. Of course we've mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it always it's always good to mention that though. And then there's um the massive dev chart, which if you just Google massive dev chart, you'll or development chart, you'll you'll get it. Um <laughs> and the, they have um and it's encyclopedic, really, like all the different times and, and formulas listed, mm-hmm. but you don't get any examples. And I think one of the nice things about Flickr is that you do get an example. Yeah. But you also get frustration because a lot of people will say, I developed this in PMK Pyro, but won't tell you their ratios or their times. And just like, seriously, people, it's not like some fucking secret recipe. Right. You know, give back to the community a little bit and just let us know what you're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, I I mean, I do. Every, Every post I make has the developer and the times and all of that on it except for the ecn2 which is um which is set for what it is it's not meant to be pushed or pulled it's three fucking minutes so but every all the black and white i i always give like, you know the ratios and and um and the times always um i guess that's it do you have any other in, any other resources that you use? I know there's a couple more out there. There's like there's another one where there are examples. It's sort of like massive dev chart with examples. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, mass. I mean, massive dev chart. Honestly, I just sometimes I'll just Google like images to, or just like look. Obviously, the first place you should look is probably the box uh, before you throw it away. <laughs> if you well, open sure. up a roll of film, there's going to be like instructions in there on like all the developers so that's probably yeah. the easiest place to look um yeah. but yeah i really do like uh looking at samples so anybody that i know who i follow that develops on their own uh i try not to obviously bother people too much but occasionally it's nice yeah. to hear what people are doing and sometimes it's really it's it's kind of shocking because they're like yeah just Extol or E76, you know, they, they have mm-hmm. their trusty, like you said, they have their go-tos, they're comfortable with it, 
and they don't feel like they need to change that. And I totally respect that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think just like experimenting and then also obviously uh, looking at other people's images and, and, and finding out if, you know, are they manipulating it anymore? Is this like what it came, like you scanned it without anything, you know, like, is this how it's going to come out or not? (laughs) Okay. So he asks another question, uh, proper chemical waste slash handling slash ethics, how, where, who, when, why it matters. Yes. Um, it does matter. Yes. Uh, it does not matter as much as some people say it does, and it matters more than some people say that it does. Uh, depending basically, on where what, you live. Depending on where you live, and if you have a septic tank, if you have a yeah. septic tank, I don't know. All bets are off. It matters off, a lot. That definitely don't dump your fixer into your septic tank. The reason is your fixer contains silver, a little bit of silver from the film, so. Don't uh, do not do that, because a little bit of silver can fuck up a lot. Mm-hmm. And the same essentially goes for city water supplies. Don't dump your fixer straight down the drain. You can filter it through a coffee filter, and it should be okay. Now, this is depending on where you live. Or you can also perform a little bit of alchemical magic and put some steel wool in your, your fixer that you're going to throw away. And leave it in there for some unspecified amount of time. And the steel wool will attract the silver to the steel wool. So you will need to um, figure that what, figure out what works best for you. The developer should be okay to dump straight. A lot of people don't do that. You're, you're, don't use a stop bath. Just use water. Water stop. And so that will um, that's fine. It's just water. But your fixer is the culprit here. And you do need to treat your fixer before dumping it. Or you can probably take it to a, um, like a photo lab in the same way that you would take your oil to... like, Oh, if you change your own oil, which I don't know if anybody does that anymore. I do. But when I change my oil, I'd take it to um, like an auto parts store. Well, I, would, I let it sit down by the, by the carport for, I think it's years at this point. But... The plan is to take all of the oil to an auto parts store at some point. So I live by a department water and power. uh, So I just check the local newspaper website. It'll, there's dump days or basically like where you can bring stuff that's underneath your kitchen sink. And it just so happens I develop underneath my kitchen sink. I mean, in my kitchen sink. So... I, yeah, I usually just, like, have a couple gallons of fixer, like, um, it's mostly, like, color stuff. The, uh, black and white developers I usually use, I'm diluting it, so I let that go down the drain. So, like, this Rodinol, it's, it's 800 milliliters of, or, yeah, it's 800 milliliters of water, and it's 8 milliliters of Rodinol. So that will be down, that will go down the drain. And I don't feel too terrible about it because I do, I do have, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm a block away from <laughs> Department Water and Power. They have a good filtration system. I've even talked to people that have, that work there that like do the filtration and all that stuff. So, uh, but yes, you can ask your, maybe your local like photo store if they do any sort of, um, 
recycling day, too. It's a good idea. Yeah, that's true. Okay, the next question is from El Jackador. And they ask, what's the one piece of advice you'd give for starting into developing scanning or printing processes? The one piece of advice. Ooh. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there is one. I mean, I know what you're doing, I, I guess. I, I, but that should be self-evident, right? I, yeah, it's trial and error. I would say, honestly, come up with a, whether it's getting advice from other people or how you work as a person in general. Wait, so your advice, your advice is to get advice. Yes. I would come up with some sort of system. I have changed my system like three or four different times. I still use the sleeves and I put my negatives in there, but I went to an estate sale about, let's say about six months ago. Okay. And it just so happened to be the owner of Paul's photo. (laughs) And I ended up with a file case of his negatives, which is kind of incredible. And he has it so well organized. It's gorgeous. And I'm just like, so jealous (laughs) of the way that he did this. So I've been trying to change my destructive developing path of forgetting to like write down the date or not having a permanent marker. So leaving like the negatives on my desk for a day or two, like I want to be better about it. He was amazing. He had contact sheets. He had everything there and it was just stunning. And honestly, flatbed scanner, you could do a con, you could, you know, put everything in and do a contact sheet. I don't see why not. So, uh, yeah, you should be able to, if you have a, if you have a, uh, a large format scanner. Yeah. You would just obviously like, you know, have to print that, which would be some ink. But if you just do a black and white, like, I don't, I think it would just make it so much more helpful if you had a very organized system where it's like, okay, this is all my stuff for 2022. And then when the year is up, you get a new folder and you do it again. And hopefully as years go on, You'll simplify it, it'll be easier, and it'll be organized. Because in the very beginning, my shit is all over the place. Like, I have negatives from high school that are just scratched. I won't throw them away because they're just, like, I'm sentimental about them. Uh, But yeah, I treated them like shit. (laughs) So that would be my advice. Be nice. So have a system. Yeah, I like it. That's um, yeah, it's good advice. It's practical advice. Um, get a system and, and and start doing it early. Yeah, yeah. Well, the next question is from Al Clark sixty two. Nice. And the best dev tank for four by five negatives. And I assume he means daylight tank. Yeah. Because the best way to develop four by five negatives is a tray. In the, in the dark room. Yes. Um, I don't generally do that, but I wish I did. I wish I could. I, but, I, I like my SP tank. My, that's my favorite tank. 
I, the Stearman press tank is the way to go. Stearman press it's, all the way. Yeah, it's a little more expensive. I think it's like a hundred bucks at this point. Damn. But yeah, absolutely worth it. Much better than the inserts for the Patterson tanks. All of them I've had issues with. Uh, yeah, those ones are good. A lot of people do a great job with those. I just can't seem to get it because I obviously have some issues with agitation. I just can't get it right. I don't know why. Or also, too, like some of the way that you put them in, you have to remember that you have to put the yeah. ocean side the other way. It gets confusing. So, yeah. Sermon Press is just simple. Four sheets, done. I love it. Yeah. They load very similar to a film holder. So if you can load a film holder, you can load a Stearman Press tank. Yes. Which, honestly, you should be able to load a film holder since you shot 4x5. Yes. Also, I don't mind doing four at a time. I, I, I don't really think it's worth the trouble of an, for getting two more. On it. it does not No, especially for double the chemicals. Yeah, exactly. I have two Stearman press tanks, and I will often do eight at a time. I'll double fist them. Wow. Often. I mean, like, it's very rare that I don't do that. Greedy. (laughs) Efficient. I would like to see a video of you with just, like, all... (laughs) Oh, it's it's easy. I mean, I I wish they made an an uh, eight-sheet tank. Yeah. You know, I really do. But, I do have some um, funky, like, weird... I have, like, a Yankee tank. I also just got this sure, other tank yeah. that's, like, super strange. But I mm-hmm. think I'm just used to the Sturman Press. It's it's my go-to. It's it's small, compact. It only mm-hmm. takes 500 milliliters, so you're saving chemicals. It's your mm-hmm. best bet, honestly. And it really is. And speaking of the, the tray, the SP tray that we just got, I've been kind yes. of reading a little bit more about it, and that is kind of an incredible tank to get to, especially if you plan on going bigger than 4x5, because you don't really need that much chemical in there. Like, you don't even no, need you don't. 500. You could do, like, 300. So yeah. if you're really trying to <laughs> to go minimal, you can. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for a good for a good start would be the Stearman Press 4x5 tank. Yep. I would say so. Yep. Yep. Spend the money. Okay, the next question is from Rov.photo, and they ask, what are some painters who inspire you? Huh. Do you have any ideas? I have two that I go to. Rembrandt, obviously. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, the first one is Albert Bierstadt. You may not know, but they, they were, he was really good with light. He had some really fun light and fun skies. And if you know my photography, you know I like fun skies. What's his name? And he, I want to look it up. Albert Beards, Beerstadt, B-I-E-R-S-T-A-D-T, oh, yeah, yeah. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, he does some amazing work. Mm. Did. He's dead. Uh, and another dead guy is Andrew Wyeth. Mm. He's... Um, I, everybody knows the the one with the girl in the grass, somebody's world, Carissa's world, something, somebody's world. Um, everybody knows that one, and that's really the only one I knew. And then Ophelia? I saw no, okay. uh, and then I saw an Andrew Wyeth exhibit at the Seattle 
art museum and I was like, oh shit, so many of his paintings look like something that I would photograph. And so I guess I don't know if he inspired me, but I think that he and I were, have like, had a similar eye. Um, and I've since been inspired by him. But I think those, yeah, those are my two go-tos that, uh, that I enjoy. I'm not incredibly knowledgeable about painters or that end of the art spectrum, but, um, yeah, those two. You? Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I, I mean... Uh, you kind of put me on the spot. I I don't know the names. Okay. I, there's paintings in my head that I can think of. Um, and yes, sure. it, it's definitely has a lot to do with like uh, the way that they painted light. Uh, and then yeah. also just like re- remembering how when you when you go to when you go somewhere to look at art, you get to like see it right there in front of you and yeah and seeing the bright colors is just it's absolutely gorgeous the rich beautiful light and remembering that like they had natural light and maybe some candles and that's about it uh so yeah i don't know the way that they painted people um yeah i think if i could give you a better answer i would but i am not prepared for this one so I would say. I mean, you you do you like um, you mentioned Ophelia, John John Everett, mm-hmm. John Everett Malaise? is that his name? I'm bad with names. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, same same Z's, uh, John Everett. Okay. Yeah, that that is right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, if you have, if you or anybody listening has other painters who we might enjoy, uh, send them along. You know both of our. Or photography, I guess. Maybe you don't, and that's fine. But um, look at our look look at our account and say, like, "Oh, this painter reminds me of this or something." Yeah. Anyway, moving on. The next question is from Louis Demo, and they say, "As the years pass, you see your work improving. Do you guys realize you are peaking?" Well, um, I will counter you. With that um, backhanded in, uh, but a backhanded compliment, with by, by saying I have peaked years ago, <laughs> I am sincerely on a downward spiral. So thank you for thinking that I am peaking at the moment. I do appreciate that. Uh, Fanny, did you realize that you're peaking? No, I want to peak when I'm dead. I don't know if it works that way, but we'll give it a shot. I just want when you're when it would be when nice you're lying in your easy. casket. When yeah. you're lying in your casket, I will give a, give you a camera, and we'll see how you do. Just do a little slideshow, you know. Just be like, hey, like here's some of you know Lanya's work in her life, and I hope that there are. I, I just like with life in general, there are ups and downs, and I think sometimes. I feel like I'm on a roll and then sometimes I'm not. And a lot has to do with, you know, just the creative spark, what, what I'm focusing on, what my life, what I'm going through in my life at the moment. Uh, so yeah, I, I want there to be, I want there to be kind of like a steady amount of 
uh, I guess, interesting work in my life. And I hope that I will still have many years to uh, practice that. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so the next question is from Chris Damore, Chris Dot Damore, and they ask a question that I've wondered myself: <laughs> What makes Kodak professional films professional versus gold, which is not professional? Mm. Well, I is the, okay. Is there an answer? Is yeah. is there? Do you know the answer? Sure. That's not instilling me with a lot of confidence. What what is the answer? <laughs> okay. Remember how you talked about Varicolor? Like how it was just like your most favorite thing ever. Well. Sure. The, when I was on that other podcast, there was a Kodak guy there and I asked him about, I was like, hey, did Portra uh, replace Varicolor? So it did. That's why yeah. we don't have Varicolor anymore, because we have Portra. Mm -hmm. So yeah. over the decades, these films have been manipulated and changed to create an even better version of itself over time. And Disagree, but go on. That's why I will say that those are professional films. Okay, Has, but Gold's also been changed yeah. over time. But it's a budget So that's not film. a professional film. But what? It's a budget film. Okay. It's an affordable so film. What makes gold affordable? And what makes, say, um, is Ektra professional? Portra, say Portra, the professional Portra. What makes that less affordable? Why is it more expensive? I'm assuming what... it has to do with, like, crystals and, and grain. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that. The, the one. The one speculation I could have is that maybe it hasn't. Maybe the professional films have an extra layer, mm. like an extra. Oh yeah, um, that that maybe too. color an extra expanded color layer, or maybe an extra black layer or something. I don't know if that's true, but that could be a difference. I know that I think all Fuji color had that. I could be wrong, but I don't want to say that. But who knows? I don't know. Um, but in the words of Kodak. Um, uh, shut the fuck up and buy our film. So <laughs> they don't say that, but that's. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what they're. I'm pretty sure what they're marketing. Well, that's what their marketing is. So okay, the next question is really from <laughs> is from Kevin Daniel. That's underscore Kevin Daniel. Oh. Top three records oh, of the. 2000, the, uh, the aughts, I guess, or uh, whatever people are calling those. I didn't realize early Kevin 2000s. asked this question, because now I feel like I need to change my answers. Also, Kevin, I have been listening to your tape, but unfortunately, for some reason, one of the tapes is not working, and it keeps stopping, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what? I, like, can't remember what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, okay, I tightened it. I, like, kind of rewinded it a little bit and played. He made me some mixtapes. I'm so... I, I okay. need to make him some. So, anyways... You go first. <laughs> okay, so the early 2000s, I had, like right now, I have almost no connection with pop culture and um, pop music especially. Mm -hmm. Then I had absolutely no connection to to pop music. I, I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't shop in places that 
would play there. Not purposely. It wasn't boycotting. It just didn't happen. Yeah. So everything that I listened to for the most part, at least new stuff, was out of the hardcore scene, out of the punk and hardcore scene. So for the most part, my three my three would come from that. The first one, and maybe one of the, the best albums ever recorded, would be Submission Holds, Sackcloth and Ashes, that was on Ebolition Records, I, I think 2002, I don't know exactly. It's not on Spotify. You might be able to find it on Bandcamp, but I don't think so. It is probably on YouTube. And if you like female-fronted hard jazz mixed hardcore, I think you would enjoy this. And that's we actually we, I, we've definitely used some of the music for in between the segments on the podcast. It's amazing. So that's my first one. My second one. Did he say top three? I don't have the question up anymore. We'll say three. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess we're not just, th- let's just say not top three. Let's just say, like, three that you okay, can remember. Well, another one would be <laughs> from the band, Please Inform the Captain, This is a Hijack. I am seriously rolling my eyes so hard. So, right please now. inform the captain. This is a hijack. <laughs> is a was a band from the late 1900s. That sounds weird to say. The late 1990s and the early 2000s, and it was a bizarre hardcore band with a lot of samples and a lot of just like weird shit thrown in their music. I believe this is on Bandcamp, and the album I'm talking about is um, I think it's just self-titled. But that band led to Batter Brains. And that's uh, Batter as in like Bader Meinhof. And then um, I guess most recently, though it was still like a decade ago, they ended up with um, the band Mother Country Motherfuckers. All of it is, this, is roughly the same people. The core of the band is Sarah Kurse. And she was in um, some just amazing bands of the 90s. Uh, Bay Area artist... Um, did had it was in a band with what's his name from um, from uh, Green Day Pinhead Gunpowder, um, amazing amazing guitarist, uh, definitely a band to again also not on Spotify, but uh, definitely look into. Please inform the captain. This is a hijack. I don't know if you'll like it, but I do. Um, I've got two more that I'm thinking of. One is. Not hardcore at all, sort of, though it did win Best Black Metal Album of the Year when it was released, it was 2004, and it's Scott Walker with his album The, the, the Drift. Scott Walker was 
in a band called the Walker Brothers in the 60s, and they were from L.A., but they didn't make it big in America at all. They were big in England. And most of their songs were kind of croony. Like, if you've, if you've listened to, like, early, early David Bowie, it's sort of in that vein, um, sort of. But after they broke up, Scott Walker went off on his own, and he recorded some really odd solo albums in the late 60s that, that were very Jacques Brel-influenced. And by the time the 2000s rolled around, he was into some very crazy avant-garde... Well, I was, I was working in a bookstore when this was introduced to me, and my friend Pete came in and said, Hey, have you heard Scott Walker's new album? And I was like, Who? And he explained all that to me. And he said, listen to this. It's unlistenable. See how far you can get into it. And so I turned off all the lights and I sat down and I listened to the full album. And it was an absolute, utter fucking mindfuck. And it's not black metal, <laughs> though it is honorary black metal. It is dark. It okay. is messed up. It's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful albums ever recorded. And that is on Spotify. So <laughs> go and listen to that. And I guess it's like a little coda here. I, I'd have to throw in the uh, Cancel Sing single from Karate. Like ISIS versus Vellum. Don't you ever tell them the things they do. The things they do to me. Stay home. Cancel. Uh, there are two very long songs, like 15 minutes a piece. And uh, Karate's probably one of the probably one of my favorite bands from the, I guess, like the math rock area of things. Um, I have played a few of their songs during the podcast as well. And just beautiful songs. I think their earlier stuff is, is more my favorite, but that was in the 90s. But as far as 2000s go, Cancel Sing is probably my favorite work of theirs. So there you go. Four of them, just for fun. How about you, Vanya? Okay, so I guess I will start off with, um, I guess I would have to say The Shins. Okay. Uh, that was uh, an interesting time when that came out. Uh, what was that? 2001? Okay. June, yeah, 2001. It was, uh, I, I don't know, it just felt like it was such a different album and that was really awesome sure uh one of my favorites and to this day like start to finish still is um jay reotard blood visions that is like the ultimate like walking around town getting shit done album for me i Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, Mr. Bungle's California album. This, I mean, because obviously uh, Disco uh, Volante was like 95 or something, so... Uh, California came out in 99, and that was uh, exciting. Okay. I remember really being happy that something was coming out from them. Yeah. Uh, Beck's album, Sea Change, also okay. really beautiful. Um, kind of different. Kind of made me look at Beck a little bit different, so that was exciting. 
uh, and then Growlers, um, their first album, which was, I think it's Are You In or Are You Out, maybe, uh, and that was like a really, really, really fun kind of, I don't know, just something different. Uh, the early 2000s was really difficult for, for me. <laughs> really really difficult because I it was hard to like find things to listen like oh god it was just like the whole like emo goth like weird like I don't know alkaline trio or whatever I don't know if that's a band I'm pretty sure it is but like that kind of like weird poppy punk shit that came out The girls with the like lip rings and the crazy I don't know. It, it was just like a very sad time for me. <laughs> it, yeah, that <laughs> all really escaped upset. me. I wasn't I, I had no idea that was even happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of just like I felt like there was a little bit of a desert. I was kind of stuck in my old ways. Mm-hmm. Uh so it, you know, just the classics. Yeah. And uh, trying to find new music, but too busy to to go to shows because, you know, I was like working uh, full time, like two jobs and going to school. So, yeah, yeah, it was really, really difficult. Uh, But I did find, you know, going to school like I did end up um, like some of my like gravy train from from Oakland. I was like, I remember in college, this girl was like, oh, you got to listen to this. And it was like changed my life. It was amazing. I don't know when that came out, but I'm going to say Gravy Train too. Okay. And that's like four or five exclamation marks. That's like, that's a boomer amount of exclamation marks. Yeah. Okay, so yes. we have we are running low on time, so let's do uh, a, a lightning round with these. Okay, this is from The Real Napa Jack. What's your favorite beverage when you're shooting alone? Water. I only drink... Well, I only drink water. That sounds stupid and pretentious and also not true. But I'm going to say water or lemonade, like really good lemonade. Vanya? Hmm. Anything with caffeine in it. Okay. Coffee. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Anything. Iced coffee, chai. I don't care. I'll drink anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's I will even drink uh, moonshine out of the back of a trunk. <laughs> so, that is true. Yeah. Uh, okay, the next one is Sarah Leopold Photo asks, would you rather shoot digital or film but never be able to see the images? Um, I would wait. stop. I would stop. I would just print. Oh, I mean... I would print- find my way around things. But, okay, I think the question is, would you rather shoot digital or would you rather shoot film but never be able to see the images? That's not fair. That's not how life works. So I guess digital, I guess. Okay. I mean, I would. I, I still want to shoot. I would just not so. shoot. I would just hike more. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, Pentax underscore Chris asks, what is the best animal and why is it a cat? Um, it is a cat because they are not fully domesticated domestic animals. And to the amount that they've been domesticated, they've domesticated themselves. 
and it's glorious. Vanya? Sloth. Sloth. Gotcha. Okay. Great. Best animal ever. Best animal ever is a sloth. Fine. Yes. Also, they used to be huge. How crazy is that? Can you imagine a giant sloth? Sloth. Yes, I can. Okay, so Moonraker32 asks, what have you found to be the most challenging part of shooting the of shooting large format? Money. Yeah. <laughs> Finding I think, money. <laughs> I think for me, the most challenging part is I'm so very, very used to the RB67 that I'm having trouble translating what I know from that to large format. I think it's it's... They're very similar in a lot of ways, but I think um, getting the results, like getting the image in my head onto the sheet with 4x5 is a lot harder for me to do than it is with Mamiya. Money and time. Time and money. My, those are two songs off of Dark Side of the Moon. So Kidding Mare a, asks, how did you come up with the idea for All Through a Lens? Uh, in fact, we didn't. <laughs> We kind of just made it up as we went along. Yeah, yeah. Eric wrote me into it, though, for sure. Yeah. I was like, I can't read. And I was like... I'm dyslexic. I challenged that. You're perfect. And I was wrong. Yeah, (laughs) very. You do very well. Um, Thank you. I I wanted to do a podcast. I mean, I guess first it was a zine, but I just kind of wanted to do a podcast, and so I did. And I think that's the best way to go about things. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, honestly, probably one of my favorite relationships because you're so far away. So I can't like murder you on a daily basis. That's um, nice. Yeah. It's, okay. I think we, we have a good thing going. I like this. Got a groovy thing going. Okay. Three years, dude. Three Amazing. years. So, uh, I can't pronounce this name. Pistrix. Asks, let's talk coffee. How how you get yours? Uh, milk, sugar, light, dark, roasted. Which brewer do you use? Um, I don't drink coffee. I've never had coffee. Never tasted it. Vanya, I will drink anything and everything. I will drink like I have some from this morning that I'm probably just gonna put some ice cubes in and drink later. Um, I'll do instant. I'll do. Whatever I can get my filthy, grubby little hands on. <laughs> Perfect. I'm obsessed. Um, I, I, <laughs> there I, might be. I might have a little bit of an issue with coffee. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Ariella, uh, but if I oh, had my like choice, okay. sorry, but if I had my choice, I would say usually the blonde roasts are really good. They taste better. I don't like uh, like super dark roasts because I feel like they taste burnt, and I just don't like burnt taste. Perfect. It's got a, I like a nice, bold, medium kind of flavor. So there's that. Okay. Ariella asks, have you tried black and white reversal? Any advice for Adox Scala? No. I mean, yes. We've tried it. I've tried it. Hated it. Vanya? I still have my uh, developing kit. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. I mean. You've tried it though. You've, You've done it. I have done it. And your results are actually pretty with, good. Yeah, I did it with the, yeah, the reversal. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure you do it on a sunny day. Because when you expose the film to light, it needs to, you need to expose it, like, a pretty decent amount. Uh, yeah. I noticed that I didn't get, like, enough uh, light on the first roll I did. So, hmm. sunny okay. day, if possible. 
So Ariel asks another question, and uh, okay, in your opinion, what is the Toyota Corolla of developers? So for those who don't know, Toyota Corolla is a car that my ex-girlfriend used to own. And so what developer would my ex-girlfriend use? D76. D76 is the Toyota Corolla of developers. Vanya? Good question. Is a Corolla, like, cheaper than a Camry? Is, like, I a think Camry, they're roughly version? the same. I think they're roughly the same thing. Okay. As far as um, that goes. I would say Rodinal. No, really? Like, yeah. Right. To- anything Toyota is Rodinal. You're, you're, you're going... You're going at it like, look, it's a Toyota. It's going to give me 150,000 miles at the very least. It's going to, I'm going to run it to the ground. I'm going to drive it for about 10 years. Like this okay. is, you know, I'm going to yeah, give it oil sense. changes and Rodinal is kind of like that. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's tried and true, trusty. Fair enough. Cool. Okay. Now we have one last question and real quick, we have reached an hour, but since it's stand developing, it's not exact. Yes. You don't need to do it <laughs> at an hour. You're not really going to notice like any differences at all. So it's like 10 minutes or more. So let's try to get this one in okay. under 10 minutes. And okay. we're going to end it on a very light and happy note with Alexander M. Woodward's second question. How have you worked through grief with photography? Um, I don't think I have. I don't think I handle grief that way. Uh, photography for me uh... is very separate from that kind of stuff. Uh, so... I haven't and probably wouldn't unless I like was grieving and needed to get away and then I would grab my camera and and get away, but I would grab my camera anyway. So I'm going to say that's not how I deal with things like that. So I wouldn't. Vanya? Yeah. uh, I guess I would have to say that, yeah, my camera is my best friend. My camera is my companion. It makes me comfortable when I go places alone. Um, it gives me something to do. I've actually photographed people's funerals um, because people asked me to do it. I didn't just like go to random funerals and do that. It'd be kind of uh, funny if you would crash funerals with a, with like a yeah uh, yeah. It's it gives me a task. I think with like my attention deficit here, uh, I have a really hard time focusing on things, and a lot of people might consider that really rude and I don't like that about myself so when I have a task that I'm very focused hyper focused on like photography it gives me purpose it gives me something to do and it gives me something to offer um Mm -hmm. really quick recently I photographed my sister-in-law who is going through cancer and I came with my shaver and I took pictures of her younger children shaving her head and it was the experience, like just being able to be there to see that. Like I, I have been there for the births of these children and then seeing her go through one of the hardest things she's ever had to go through in her life is like obviously devastating. I cried when I developed the f- pictures. Um, it was really hard, but also it was it was like beautiful and and it helped me and I think it helped the kids too like the kids you know I was like hey you should help help your mom shave her head a little bit and they did like they were part of it they were part of this like you know what we're not gonna let cancer win we're gonna we're gonna cut her hair 
we're going to make that choice when that hair is coming off, you know? So, um, I think that photography has always been like that for me. Um, so it's there for the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that, that, that's great. That's like, wonderful. Oh. So, so it's kind of rough to think about. Like I, it's okay. been a minute. I ha- I can't look at those pictures. It's so rough. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, that um, ends the questions section. So thank you so much. And, and coincidentally, it also ends with developing. So let's pour out. And of course, we do water stops for the most part here. Um, I'm, I'm doing 510 Pyro, so I'm going to need to do a water stop. And there's at this it's point with stand developing, it's the same. You just treat it like a regular develop, develop session. Do a little five minute fixie action and... Oh, and then we get to, we have another question to answer. Jeez, well, like, yeah, during the fix... I kind of like the questions though. This is fun. We should do this more often. We will think about it. But maybe I should like read the questions first. <laughs> well, that was always an option. That was suggested nah. to you. Was it? I don't know. I got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> and of course, with with a water stop, I fill it up two or three times. Do a quick little swish around and then dump it. And some wonderful little ambient noises there for you. Uh, if you have to yeah. pee really bad, it's... Yeah. Um, Helpful. Uh, maybe helpful isn't the right word. But, uh, Who's go. excited for Halloween? I don't think we can I answer. Am. I am. I don't know why. I think, honestly, you know why I am? It's that one time of the year where 15-year-old goth Vanya would just be, like, so happy. Because it was the only time that you could find black lipstick at stores. <laughs> so you had to stock up. <laughs> and there's just bats and skeletons everywhere. It's just it's just the most wonderful time of the year. Well, let's get spooky and start fixing. All right, I've added the fixer. Started the timer. I am agitating the fixer. Now, with the fixer, you don't stand with that, of course. You just you just fix like normal with the regular agitation once every 60 seconds or maybe every every 30 seconds or whatever you normally do. If it's working for you, keep doing that. It's one of the, the best roles that you can, given, you can be given. If something is working for you with developing and someone says, hey, you're doing that wrong, but you like your results, you're not doing it wrong. You can say, fuck off. Well, don't say that. Be nice. But Okay, so let's answer the answering machine question from the last episode, Vanya. Sounds good. What is it? How did you get good at photography? Oh, shit. You first, because you you made that one up. I did. I got good at photography by doing a 
podcast. So if you want to get good at photography, just start a podcast. Most of you probably have one. Totally going to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, but the real reason, (laughs) the real reason that I've gotten to the level where I like my photos, which I guess is what good is, is I, I know, I figured out for me which emulsion and which developer works best for me to get with the results that I want. And so once you, big air quotes, master that, you're well on your way. If you can look at a scene and go, I want this emulsion with this developer to capture it this way, you have control over what you're going to put out. I know a lot of people are really like, like film because it's unpredictable. And sure, if that's why you like film, then awesome. But I like film because in a lot of ways it is predictable. It's a chemical reaction. You know what to do to make it do a certain thing. And so I do that and it does a certain thing. And it doesn't mean that all of my photos are wonderful. There's still more that goes into it than emulsion, like, you know, not fucking up the exposure. And that's something that I'm not very good at, or I'm, I'm very good at fucking up the exposure. So I think, but the, what, get a, getting a mastery of your emulsion and your developer, I think keys to what I have done to make myself happy. Vanya? Can I just uh, mention something? I think that as far as your exposure goes, if you weren't trying to do like crazy long exposures, I think you would have more success. I think you are pushing your limit as far as what you're doing, what lens you're using, things like that. So that's kind of why I would say that you're still kind of working the kinks off of that. So I'm just giving yourself, giving, giving you more credit than you're giving yourself because when I'm with you, you're like, you're a light. I don't even need to bring a light meter. Cause you're like, Oh, it's like EV 14. Oh, you're like, Oh no. Yeah. Like you're like constantly saying, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I can do that. Giving yeah, I, me I, light readings constantly. <laughs> I am pretty good at telling you what the EV is. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, so what's your answer, Vanya? I would have to say that practice Okay. Um, and it doesn't make not doesn't make perfect or perfect practice or whatever the hell you say. Oh god, I hated uh, that. Uh, I would did I keep that in the episode? Yeah, did, I, being... did I edit that out? No, you put it, you kept it in there. Did I? Okay. That was dumb. Go on. I think that being a little bit more consistent and yeah, so that's why I was gonna say the podcast, because the podcast has really been able to keep me consistent on shooting film, developing film, looking at pictures, looking at photography, talking to other photographers. So it has been like such a great way to expand my mind in a way that I've never thought that I could. Um, I've met new people to shoot with, which has been so wonderful. Uh, I'm just all around super cozy, happy all the time about the community, of course. Uh, but as far as what you said with like film emulsions and developers, I would say to an extent there is a little bit of that, but my photography isn't really going in that direction. My photography is unfortunately going in the opposite direction of that because I am using expired color 220 film because they don't make 220 and I don't want to shoot (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to shoot 120 in my water housing because it's it's a long swim to just shoot 16 or 15 photos. So uh, 33 is much better. So taking the risks 
and um, and sometimes failing, and you know, kind of failing a lot sometimes. Honestly, <laughs> it is there is a lot of unknown, but it is it, it fits my personality in a lot of ways. I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, sometimes I get lucky and I get I get a good role. Sometimes I don't. Um, I just never know. Now, as far as like shooting with the RB67 or any, you know, on land camera, those are fairly consistent. I know what I'm going to get. I know what I'm going to shoot. And there is a little bit of win there. So if I lose in the water, I can always win on land. And being able to make sure I shoot a little bit of each uh, consistently is a good balance uh, for me and my mental state so I don't lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I guess that that's that. That's that. That's all yeah. the questions. And I see we've got commercial sign because we have to wash right now. Hmm, the real Ghostbusters will return after these messages. Welcome to the world of terror. When I'm not busy embalming bodies, which isn't often, I like to relax with some good family reading. Let me introduce you to my personal library of Fangoria, the leader in horror entertainment. What a fascinatingly hideous cover of Freddy Krueger. And devilishly candid reviews of the latest horror videos. And gloriously bloody color photos from the newest Friday the 13th. They're all here in Fangoria. Can I persuade you to subscribe? This is Fango editor Tony Tapone asking you to enter the world of Fangoria. Only $12.49 for a special six-month video subscription. Send check or money order to Fangoria Magazine, 475 Park Avenue South, New York, 10016. Customers! Ah, oh, let the dead bodies wait. We now return to the real Ghostbusters. And we are back. So we're done washing. Um, Vanya, during the break, you, uh, you revealed something. Um, potentially controversial to me. <laughs> um, what's going on over there? Uh, I just realized I have sprocket holes. <laughs> on your one, on your two twenty film. Yes. Yeah, so, that seems weird. Uh, nightmare. Okay, so Shanghai. I kind of want to murder you guys because this backing paper situation has kind of been a nightmare. Uh, the. I did just get like a new batch and it does look like it has its own backing paper, but for a minute there, all the, all the stuff that they had was like this weird black backing paper. Oh yes. Yeah. And, and by backing paper for 220, you mean leading the leading paper? Yes. Okay. So it's there is no just black paper. and I was like, oh yeah, this is some 220, like Shanghai, uh, GP3 100. That's what I thought it was. Gotcha. Uh, but there's spro- like I just peeked and I was like, wait a minute, there's sprockets. So this shit was fucking color. So Ugh! Shanghai re-rolls <laughs> 70 millimeter film, cuts it down and puts it on 120 and 220 rolls. Yes. So you shot color knowing it was color or knowing it was black or thinking it was black and white? Thinking it was black and white. And remember, I, j- I mentioned that there was backing paper throughout the whole thing. And I thought that was odd. So you potentially Probably shot 120. This isn't 220. It's 120. <laughs> oh God, Vanya! I knew that. I was like, "Damn, dude, I reeled this like super quick." I was okay. like, "Oh my God, I'm like getting better." <laughs> so, 
I, I, yeah, you may want to rethink that. So you can <laughs> develop color film in black and white. It's black and white, yes. but you can do it. So there yes, is some can. small chance, a very fucking small <laughs> chance, that you got, you got something here. Oh, but you know what? I need to, um, it's got a... It's got Remjet on it. Fucking Remjet. Oh my god. It's just one thing after another over here, you guys. Okay, so I will look at mine while you... I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, I'm going to look at my photos here. And I definitely have negatives. I definitely have negatives. Um, It looks okay. I mean, it's... I I don't judge. I can't, I guess, judge negatives. Um, It's a very nice stain on them. Uh, 510 Pyro is a staining developer. Um, these are taken... Where the hell was this? You know what? I'm not really sure where it was, but it is in a town, sort of. Um, it looks like it's, it's, it's looks... I think it might be Nebraska-ish? Maybe, maybe Montana? Okay. No, the other one. Wyoming? What Eric considers a town, you guys, basically. Yeah, it, Henry's... Gen- oh, this is Henry. Henry, um... I think it's Nebraska. I guess it could be. I think it's Nebraska. And okay. I love this little town. I, I shot it a few years ago. And uh, I think these look okay. I shot this one roll, kind of like all in one in one stop. So I don't think we've gone on long enough. I don't think we're going to do a futures for this. So I think, um, you know, if you check our show notes or our social medias you will see the pictures i will definitely scan these i definitely have pictures um yeah. you're still waiting on the other I'm one rubbing here. off yeah so i just i basically what i did was uh i filled up a pot with warm water and some baking soda and i took it off the reel and i'm just using my finger and kind of just rubbing it down and i have pictures you guys so i fucking got pictures so you shot and you shot motion picture fun. film color motion picture yeah. film yes and you developed it in black and white stand and you got some exposure <laughs> that's great yeah yeah so if you guys like you know have some old motion picture film and feel like Stand developing it, you can. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, this is one thing I wanted to do at one point was to develop color film in black and white. Yeah. Well, and you know, we just never got two around birds, to it. One stone, yo. Right. Is that how it's? Yeah. I don't know. Let me see if I can figure out where I shot these. Okay, I see a donkey. So this is Arizona. This is Route 66. So yeah, this is um, that little town where, where all the uh, burrows live. Oh, that's Oatman. Yes. So a little bit before, and a little, a little bit before, a little bit of Oatman, and then a little after, on Route 66. That's what I got going on here. So yeah, I mean, good. Ex- they look decent. That's great. I can't wait to see them. (laughs) Okay, we've decided to just pop in here. This is future Eric. Hi, this is future Vanya. Yeah, we weren't going to show up, but we decided to crash the party. 
Yes, always. It's like, why do they think that they could get away <laughs> with not inviting us? We are going to invite ourselves. We went to hop in because it is a little odd. You know, we did stand developing, but you developed color film in black and white, which is something we've wanted to do for a while, but just never did. So yeah, surprise. So surprise. We'll start with you, Vanya. What? Um, so this was color motion picture film, 500. It would be like, it'd be like Cinestill 800, essentially, right? About. Yeah, roughly, yeah. roughly that. Roughly that. But you developed it in, in, um, wrote it I want to say it's actually 50D. Okay, so but, you don't, you don't even know what it is. Fuck no. Okay. It doesn't have any written, like, words on it. Okay. That's true, because they would have cut that off when they cut the, uh, the, the perfs in half. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you have, some black and white, some some color film that you've developed in black and white. What do you what do you think? Okay, well, I, first I just want to mention something. I am having the most difficult time with my scanner. I, for some reason, can't seem to scan anything. It says it's scanning. It looks like it's scanning, and then as soon as it, I open it up in the folder, it has like this milky um like film over it like it's not scanning correctly and you so, use silverfast for your heart for your software right i do okay. yes and so i cropped out like the sprocket holes to see if that helps because you know sometimes like mm-hmm. the sprocket will change you know the, the adjustments like on for sure on the uh still <laughs> having some issues so i was a little bit frustrated having to scan these. Also, I thought I was like, did really well as far as cleaning off all of the um, uh, black, gross, yummy stuff. That, oh, the Remjet. Yeah, Remjet. And if you look at a couple of my pictures, you can see that I did not do the most amazing job. There is a little bit left on them. Yeah, Remjet's, it's not easy to get off. I know that that they'll always say on like FPP that, oh, it's an easy thing to do and all you need is to just rub it with your fingers. And it's- I rubbed it with my fingers a lot. Also, you're you're dealing with the size of, of 120 film here. And that's True. a little bit different than 35 as far I as- I soaked it, I rubbed mm-hmm. it, I cleaned out the water, I did it again. Like I I thought I did a really great job. I'm, and I'm sure you did. But... I used the, the Kim wipes. So I'm assuming there would be residue on there. I didn't really see anything. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But yeah, so first of all, Remjet, I hate you. I don't want to deal with you. Also, I think I'm like really mad at Shanghai right now. I have found another role that I thought was what I was supposed to be developing. I'm going to take a picture and it should be in the show notes because I want to show you guys Mm -hmm. why I made this mistake. Because, yes, I'm a little bit all over the place, but also this is not exactly my fault, but kind of. (laughs) So, okay. Um, Before we get to your pictures themselves, let's just have another anti-plug for for Shanghai film because we've both had nothing like literally nothing but issues with Shanghai. It sucks because I'm so, I I really, really want 220, fresh 220 film. Yeah, yeah, especially motion picture film. That's that's amazing. Exactly. But as far as the motion picture goes, like, I just, I can't anymore. I'm going to, I have a bunch of Shanghai that I'm still going to shoot that's black and white. Um, unless I get, like, 50% of each role 
coming out amazing, I'm never buying it ever again. <laughs> well, I'd rather buy expired film and not know what's going to happen than deal with this shit. Well, yeah, because you expect good film to be good, like, you know, new film to work. And exactly. Shanghai, you, you don't get that with Shanghai. No, no. no. You really I, don't. I'm just... I'm so bummed about it because I really want to like be supportive and like, Hey dude, you guys like, I want to 20. Yes. Make it. But yeah. Yeah. That's um, really cool that they're doing that. And a couple extra bucks and like get the words right on your backing paper because this is like ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their quality control really it, it's that, that seems to be the biggest issue. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your pictures. Sure. The, I have the first one a up little... is a cactus. It is. It sure is. Yep, that's a cactus, all right. No, I, I enjoy this. the The grain is, it's there. It's very sharp grain. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it it's a lovely photo. Yeah, it's a very lovely. Photo. Yeah, I, very I like it a lot. Yeah, I honestly looks great. Makes me want to shoot more black and white. Honestly, um, I'm pretty impressed with the stand, but I definitely have bromide drag and you can see it in, in the this, second one the second picture yeah which is a nice photo overlooking a oh that's taken near oatman isn't it that's that's overlooking like sit greaves pass yes okay so yes mm -hmm. in the sky there is a little bit of chemical surge bromide drag something like that definitely not lightly it's it's very obviously not that yes yeah. uh, and that's a bummer but that is that is a problem that you have with stand developing and 35 millimeters stand developing was invented and used for plates yes and for then sheets it was never intended for roll film so and, it makes sense if it's laying flat yeah. and it's it's soaking there i could see it working better mm -hmm. and it's definitely uh, not made for for anything with sprockets no so now that being said i think that if i didn't have if i had 120 without the sprockets that i probably wouldn't have these surge marks yeah, because what happens is like that bromide i guess kind of collects in that crease right there in the in the little hole little sprocket hole. in the little yeah. sprocket holes and that's what ha that's why that happens yeah. and it usually happens with that like big like like more uh overexposed like areas and which is usually the skies Sky. yeah yeah for so sure. uh it happened again hmm. and this one was interesting because it looks like it kind of worked out perfectly for for this photograph, the bromide drag. Well, it does look like a little little bit of a sun beam, yeah, sort of, it doesn't does. it? It does. Uh, but if you look up on the top, you can see that there are some some marks there, yeah. um, some lighter marks. So it is definitely oh, uh, from the remjet, uh, remjet and bromide drag. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah, sort of marks. Yep, but it's a great picture. It's I think it's lovely. a lovely picture. Yeah, it's got it's... lots of texture. I mean, it would have been nice in color, but honestly, kind of digging the black and white. Mm -hmm. I really love the the dark mountain in the far uh, left side that just like brings out. And I wasn't shooting. I wasn't shooting this like with with um intention obviously of black and white so it yeah. was it's kind of neat to do that and honestly 
it would be kind of fun to just like blindly shoot a roll, not knowing if it's like color or black and white. And this see. is just this is a hundred ISO. Have fun with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could you could do that if you have somebody else load your camera. Yeah, exactly. So you would do that, and then you would have to just like make it kind of like, all right, I'm gonna pr- I'm gonna just shoot like this is a color, and then I'm gonna. Sh- I don't know, depending on the scene, right? Yeah, I mean, I shoot. I I really enjoy overcast for shooting black and white. I really enjoy it. I like color and sun. I like black and white and sun pretty well, but overcast is only black and white. I never shoot color when, when it's overcast ever. That's so weird because color looks phenomenal in overcast. I could I I don't like it. I can never get it right. So well, your last photo sounds like a you problem. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Uh, your last photo is a burrow. It is. He's so cute. Look at how beautiful his little face is. No, very little Ugh, face. Why the, the long grain, face? I really the grain, the his his uh hair markings. You know, just like where all the movement is, and mm-hmm. is uh, just it's so lovely. And it's then really also, sharp. yeah, absolutely. Also, that um black mark that's going down the back of him. That's that's like part of their vibes. You know, like that's their markings. Yeah. Now, I was taught as a kid, as a good little Christian boy, Uh-oh. that the reason that donkeys have the cross on their back is because it was a donkey who took Mary. Well, the donkeys play a pivotal role in in the nativity and also uh, on Palm Sunday. Jesus. No rode way. Into, Jesus rode into what was it? I think it was Damascus on the back of a donkey. Uh, it's been a while, guys. I'm I'm sorry, all you Jesus heads out there. I do apologize. <sighs> but that's that we were told that that's why donkeys have that cross on their back, and we were also told that the dogwood tree ha- has the branches as crosses because dogwood was apparently the wood that the Romans made the cross out of. Um, for you know, for Jesus and and uh, everybody else they crucified. So, I mean, neither of those things are true, but okay. that's what I was what is taught um, when I was a, a wean. I did not know that. No, I, that just came back to me. That thanks religious trauma. <laughs> so overall, I mean, you can't really like you didn't shoot for this, so you you can't really like say, oh, this worked out exactly as I wanted it to. Yeah, and that's kind of neat. I kind of like it. Okay, I'm cool. Into it. Nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll move on to mine then. And I did okay. shoot this for black and white because it was FP4. I shot it. I shot it at. Um, I shot it at at F64. No, F64. Jesus, I shot it at ISO 64. Um, because I was planning on developing it in PMK. Oh. So with PMK, you do need to uh, slow it down a stop. But with 510 Pyro, which is what I developed it in, you don't need to do that. And you shouldn't do that. But oh. I did it. and But it's stand, so it doesn't matter. It's one of the nice things about stand is that if you fuck up your exposures, this doesn't matter as oh. much, anywhere near as much. So you could actually, like, you could take a couple of frames and, and like, really push them, like, two, three stops. And it probably won't fuck up your entire role if you don't do the rest of them yeah yeah that makes sense yeah it's it obviously different emulsions are going to behave differently but anyway my my photos 
And the one thing I, I really noticed right away is that there's no grain, not even a little bit. Yeah. It's gone. Honestly. I don't know if I like that. Okay. Um, if I wanted no grain, I I would shoot like a like a really high speed film or sorry, really slow speed film, slow speed. Yeah. Um, and I would, you know, I would maybe do like an like a Xtal developer or something. I I like grain. I I shoot a lot of larger formats, so it's you know. I really like my grain to be large so that, that it shows up. I like that look. Yeah, of course. Not like 35 millimeter grain, mm -hmm. but this, this has none. It looks like microfilm. Yeah, it does. It's very odd. Also, I can't, the last photo that you sent, I, for some reason, can't get it to zoom in. It's like a very small file, so I can't really zoom in on that one. Yeah, so you're all of these to, are all. These I'm just going to have to trust you. <laughs> just trust me. There, there is not any grain. And you know what? I did talk to the guy from Five Ten Pyro today. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hi, Five Ten Pyro guy. And um, I, I talked to him about it. And did it say anything here? Um. Yes, uh, he says it will render most ISO 100 and below grainless. Wow, grainless. Well, that's something really good to know. It is good if to know that someone's looking for that particular look. Say you're shooting a couple rolls of film, and you maybe you want something a little smoother on someone's skin. Say you're doing portraits. That mm -hmm. that that could be something. Yeah. Like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot this, but I'm gonna develop it in 510 Pyro. Yeah. And he sent along a um, a photo of HP5 and Delta 400. He said they'll be very fine grained. And he saw he sent a photo of expired Delta 3200 shot at 1600 and then developed in 510. And there is effectively effectively no grain. There's a I mean you can sort of see a little bit in the shadows a little bit. But yeah, if you if you fucking hate grain. This is the <laughs> developer for you, right? I, I I do like a little bit of grain, so um, we'll see. I I think I don't think I'll do stand development with this again, but I think I'm going to keep using. I'm going to try to maybe get FP4 to work for me in this. Nice, yeah. yeah I think I think you still. There's definitely something here. Time. There's something absolutely. Here. Absolutely. So my you other, the, the second photo of like the window and like the, the little sticker on the window and the shadow from the sticker on the window. I really like that. I like how it rendered this. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's dingy. It is. It's really dingy and I, and I like it. And, and same with the third one with like the, the, uh, the porch, the, the businesses with the porch on it. I, yeah, these two shots remind me very much of like the original conspiracy of cartographer Zane, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah, I could see that. This is yeah. kind of going back to my roots. I felt a little bit of, you know, actually, I think some of the shots from Henry were in that zine. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It looks, it, it definitely, I could tell that you shot it. Yeah. If someone was like, put a lineup of, of photographs, I could probably point out yours <laughs> by now. <laughs> the last one with the mountain, it, I shot this on four by five as well, and I and I prefer the four by five. Yeah, um, but beautiful. this this is really lovely. I it's I like how this turned out. Oh my gosh, yeah. magic! 
It's really it's, fun. I love it. The sky, the road, the, the softness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. So yeah, you did you did a really good job. Well, thank you. I think that if I shot thirty five millimeter, I think yeah. five ten could be a go to for me. True. Because if you really, especially if I shot like high speed on thirty five, mm-hmm. yeah, then, then five ten pyro would would be the best developer for me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I was thinking about the um, really diminished uh, or like deteriorated uh, recording film that I shot, the Kodak recording film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pictures became one of my Cirque Martian stickers. That's right. It looked like the Bauhaus cover. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, I was thinking, I wonder what would happen if I did the 510 stand with that and if it would be different. Um, if it would smooth things out or if that's just completely. I think it's a very crazy. different emulsion. You may, it may be like a, a like a 20 minute stand or something. Yeah. Don't yeah. quote me on that. Cause I don't really know. I don't remember. It's been a long time, but if it's, if it's like a microfilm, those develop a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So it may be a, a really quick stand developing. Yeah. I don't know though, but yeah, I mean, no reason not to try it. It, it very much, this really kind of reminds me of the time that I developed a bunch of pictures of my friend Mike, who was shaping a surfboard, mm-hmm. and I used uh, mountain-like spring water <laughs> that I collected. Oh, that's right. And everything came out like crazy grainy and like nuts. And yeah. it was just, it's so interesting that just the small amount of changes can can make uh, or break like a role for you in whatever specific way. And, and I've never, I've been thinking about that role a lot lately and how I would like to be able to do some sort of project where I'm using, um, like different because I, you know, I'm obsessed with water. So just like using different types of water and developing things and, and what that would do, Yeah. what, what would change, you know, the, if I shot the same film, but then I just used like lake water. Yeah. 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 Little things like that can, can definitely affect things. Um, Um, there was one last thing I want to say, and this is like super odd, but it reminded me when you were talking about the burrow, I didn't know this until recently, but uh, most traditional doors that you have, like probably the door that you have on your house, maybe, is a six panel door, right? Okay. And that actually is a like expression of Christian faith. It's a very like Christian door. And it's because the, 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 top, the top four panels, so everybody look at your door right now. The top four panels is symbolizing the cross. And then the two panels on the bottom is the Bible. Yep. Okay. Look at me. I, I'm. I'm. I would love to know where that came from. I've never heard that before. Are you serious? I've never heard Look that. At, you guys. Okay. So we're like recording, but I can see him, and you can. I can see him trying to. No, I'm looking it up. I want to see where it comes right from. Now. I want to see where it comes from. It's from like the 1800s or 16. I don't know, like 1700s. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> um. Just put in like. Six panel door history. I'm looking at why well, looking at a page right now. Um, 
I mean, essentially, it wasn't made to be that way. Um, it's just people have have interpreted it that way. Yeah, you could That's also do, uh, um, like a the Satanic Bible at the top. Yes, and an and inverted cross. cross. I, I know at the I bottom. Was, I had I already thought of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also. Speaking of that, there's this lady that's been like on the corner by my gas station, like with like Jesus loves you, which is fine, whatever. She's waving to people, she's having a good time. Uh-huh. I just happened to be listening to Slayer, so I rolled down my windows. <laughs> Hell awaits. Okay, so purgatory. <laughs> we have gone on a long ass time. I know. I'm so sorry. let's let's call it let's call it uh, quits and send it back to the past. Okay, fine. Okay boring old pasties oh boy oh, well no. i guess that brings us to the end of the dev party um we uh thank you to everybody who submitted questions yeah that's that was really awesome of you we we did this once before maybe two years ago so i think we'll do it again uh, probably before another two years elapses yeah, I liked I it. It was fun. If people, if people think it's fun, then I think yeah. we should continue doing it. I th- were you expecting more non-film questions than we got? Yes. Yeah. I was hoping. I don't care. Like, give me some personal shit. Come on. Yeah, I mean, if we don't want to answer it, we won't. And yeah, we, exactly. we, we, not a big we'll deal. judge you I a mean, little bit for asking, but <laughs> not not much. But we won't say it on the podcast, obviously. Not directly. No. <laughs> so thank you again for for asking the questions. We will do this again. Yeah. Maybe maybe end of the season, or maybe you know when we take a break over the holidays or something. Yeah. Uh, we Ooh, have another episode fun. coming up in a week's time. That's the Halloween episode. Uh, that'll be fun, I think. Right? Yes. We don't know yet. Oh I, my gosh! Yeah, I was looking at the. Um... At the book today, I had, like, some free time, and I was just kind of looking at uh, the book that we're going to be speaking of, which you will find out next week. So fun. So exciting. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Can I say diorama? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, that's, it's a word that you are allowed to say. I said it. Okay. Fucking dioramas, dude. Dioramas. So with the word dioramas, we will leave you for another week. We will see you in two weeks, another dev party, and a week for the main episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.